Welcome to On Scene First with Tracy Eldridge, powered by Rapid SOS. As a trusted public safety data partner and creators of the world's first emergency response data platform, Rapid SOS is sharing critical data with 911 to help first responders like myself get the information we need to save lives and property. To learn how you can become Rapid SOS ready and better protect the ones you love, visit rapidsos.com today. Now on with the show. I'm your host, Tracy Eldridge. I am wicked excited to highlight the latest and greatest must-have technology tools and mental health resources for public safety. Currently, I am the Public Safety Community Engagement Manager at Rapid SOS. With 24 years in public safety, I am truly honored to bring you entertaining, educational, and empowering conversations with public safety difference makers who are harnessing the power of new technology out-of-the-box thinking, and mental health support services to save lives on both sides of the call. Welcome, friends. My guest today is Mandy Patak. Mandy is the director of the Baldwin County, Georgia 911, and with 21 years of experience in the 911 profession. Not only is Mandy the director, she also holds the position of secretary for Georgia Nina and is a ComU board member on Georgia Turt. Since Georgia Turt was established in 2017, Mandy has had the pleasure of supporting all the activations to date. West Naples, Florida for Irma, Sampson County, North Carolina for Florence, Southwest Georgia Regional 911 for Matthew, and just recently Baldwin County, Alabama for Hurricane Sally. So, hey Mandy, I am thrilled to have you here as the final piece of this Hurricane Sally trilogy that I unofficially started. Um, if you guys haven't listened to episode five, go back there. We had Jonathan Jones from Georgia actually deploying the Georgia Turt to Baldwin County, Alabama. And in episode six, we spoke to Dan Wright, who is the deputy director in Baldwin County, Alabama, about requesting Turt and the lessons that they learned. And now here you are as one of the frontline folks that donned the headset in an unfamiliar center to help our own. So welcome, nice lady. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thank you for letting me be here. I appreciate it. So it's so awesome. And we're definitely going to talk about, you know, Turt and it, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff today. Before we do that, I just want to get to know you a little bit. I want our listeners to get to know you a little bit. Tell, tell me how you got your start here in the 911 profession. Did you... Did you get here by accident? Because it seems like a lot of people get here by accident. Or was this a mission that you were on from, from an early time in life? And no, it, it was, yeah, I fall in the accident category, I think. My high school year, uh, way back in the day, we're going to say date, but um, <laughs> I was at, at Applebee's. I was a waitress at Applebee's. And one of my friends, his aunt was the 911 director at the time. I would, you know, go over to their house or whatever and you know, she, she would be talking to me about it. I thought, you know, dang, I've never really thought about that, you know, cause that's one profession that people just don't think about. You're um, right. So I was like, wow, you know, maybe can I come up there one day and see it? And, you know, I just want, I'm just curious. It, it did pique my curiosity and she's like, yeah, sure. So I come up there and I walked around and she kind of told me what it was about. And, um, she was like, you know, do you think you might want to try it out and see, what you think? And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. So I actually took it on. Because chances are they were shorthanded. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm always, bet. <laughs> always. 
um, <laughs> that, that is the forever 911 dilemma. It will be until yes. the end of time, I'm sure. Yep, I agree. So I go up there and, and actually started it part time. And um, I mean, I, I was there. The ability to go full time actually opened up to me about four weeks into it. And wow, I was like, yep, I, I really like this. Um, this is I, I really want to try this. So I quit the waitressing awesome. and moved to that. Well, and, and if you think about it, they're very similar jobs, right? Like giving people what they want, listening to people, you know, right. Just complain about things. Yes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a different form of customer service. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that moment came, she offers you the position. You're like, I'm in. And I'm going to bet that when you were part-time, you really weren't part-time. You were, you were probably already working full-time. Right. Part-time or right? full-time hours. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I did the same thing. <laughs> um, I was doing it at two centers and then one of them opened up uh, a full-time position where I ended up living out my career in 911 um, in, in Rochester, Mass. And I just remember saying these words to, to Freetown where I started, where they were, they graciously gave me the opportunity. I said, I said, Hey, uh, Rochester had an, a full-time opening and I, I really want full-time. I need the benefits. So I'm going to take that position, but I'm going to stay here part-time. <laughs> Famous last words. Yeah. Right. Yep. Gonna, that didn't last I, long, I, did it? <laughs> <laughs> nope. And I'm going to, I'm going to put this out there as a, a public service announcement. If you take a full-time job somewhere else, don't tell the folks where you are. You'll stay on part-time because I feel like it is short-lived, right? It's like, it yeah, I want to stay part-time, but then overtime opens up at your center and now you're torn between making, you know, a regular wage and, and actually <laughs> making a lot and more a half money wage, time. Right? Yeah. So it took you, how long did it take you to move from, you know, being, and I'm going to say this and people get mad at me, but I'm going to say it because it's true. How long did it take you to go from being just a dispatcher, you know, when I say just a dispatcher, not a director, not a supervisor, just putting on the headset and telling people where to go for a living. How long did it take you to go from just a dispatcher on the floor, handling calls, no other responsibilities to a supervisory position and then ultimately into your director's position? So about 10 years to fully get Excellent. where I was at. So did you find, and I know there's a lot of folks that are listening that are finding themselves maybe in that position, right? They go from being side by side to a supervisor's position and then ultimately into the director's position. Did you find it challenging to move from being side by side with these folks and then into ultimately the, the director's position? I think I did in the beginning more so because I overthought things. You know, I'm thinking, no, oh, we do not overthink right? things in 911. I overthought things, you know, I said, oh, here we go. You know, I don't want to, well, how, how do I supervise these people that some had, I mean, uh, there were a handful that had been there way longer than me. Um, so, I mean, it wasn't that I got it by seniority. Um, right, right. So, you know, I, I kind of worried about that aspect of it and for a little bit. And, you know, I said, you know what, I can't, I can't worry about it like that. I need to worry right. about how can I make things better and progress our 911 center into the future? How, how do nice. I make things better for them? And how do I make things better and for our response time, our technology, for our, not only the first responders, but for our citizens? 
So I focused yep. on that and I listened to them, you know, their needs. I'd been there. I knew kind of what was going, you know, what we were needing, what we were lacking and everything that I've ever done in as far as progression with our 911 center in our, whether it be our communications equipment or even my policy um, implementations, I always include my people. Because I was hoping you said yes. that. I, I, I was as you're talking. I'm like, I hope she's going to yes, say that. Because yeah, I that's awesome. I want their feedback. I want their input. I, you know, when I looked at, we just did a big upgrade to our CAD and phone systems, and I had them come in. You know, we, we had a few different vendors come in, and we tested a different equipment. I had them with me because ultimately, they're the ones that need to be okay with this product. I don't want to yep. buy something and say, well, I think I like this. And even though, you know, I haven't really worked the console. I mean, I have, but not full-time worked the console in about 10 years. So uh, I'm going to make this decision that this is what we're doing. And y'all are just going to like it. I'm not that person. Now, not to say that that doesn't work for some centers. It very well might. Yep. I'm sure it has to for like really big centers. Right, um, right. But me, I have a, a four position center. I, I have that luxury I, I call it to be able That's to cool. include them in this decision making process well i think that is is awesome you're right they, they are the ones that are using it and you know even in a big center like as you were saying about the big center i i thought for a second i'm like yeah she's right but if you do have a big center hopefully folks are at least taking a small group of people right, right like right representing different people, different, like the night shift versus day shift. Cause we know they're two different worlds, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> they sure are. And not to say, awesome. you know, I, I throw it out there that I, I, not everything that I have done is probably the correct way, but trial and error, you know, there's no, yep. there, there's no right way or wrong way in the very beginning. You just got to figure it out. Yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit about this TURT response. So uh, there's a lot of agency. Well, first of all, we have so much going on in the world today. Right. Like, every time you turn around, like I cannot wait. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm speaking for the masses that like 2020 needs to go <laughs> like yes. out the door, gone by, see ya. Yes. Uh, and I just remember, you know, so many people on, on December 31st, 2019, people are like, this is going to be the best year ever. <laughs> Psych. Just kidding. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> um, but what I do know is, is there is a lot of positive that has happened. And, you know, I, I see agencies stepping up to help each other. I step, I see people stepping up to help each other. And I'm the type of person that just wants to see the good, right? I don't want to see all the, the icky stuff, right? But, um, this TURT thing, uh, for those that are not aware, we got a lot of baby dispatchers that are listening. Um, for for context, can you just tell me a little bit about what your thought about TURT is? What what does TURT mean to you? Start with the acronym, and then just in your words, tell me what you believe TURT is. It is a much needed resource for our. 911 profession. So for the longest time, you've always had, I mean, if you think back when things happen, you have law enforcement that gets sent in to help other law enforcement, yeah. uh, EMS that gets sent in to help other EMS centers. Um, same thing with fire. You know, they all yep. come in, they jump on the bandwagon, they help. But as I said earlier in the podcast, when I was talking about 
nobody really thinks about 911 as a profession. And nobody really thought about 911 as, hey, we might need some help up here. Um, right. And I, and I feel like the fact that we have finally stepped up with this TURP program and, you know, it's, we're, we've got it implemented, we've got it up and running. I think we have a great program, but I think it was very much needed. And I really didn't honestly know how much it was needed until I became a part of it. So becoming a part of it really opened your eyes as to how beneficial this is. So when you go into these centers and you're giving your fellow dispatchers, whether they work close to you or they don't, they're still in the same profession. You're still one big family at the end of the day. And you're able to go in there and provide this much needed relief and assistance to them. They haven't gone home. A lot of them, they've been sleeping in the center. They've been working day and night. Um, and they have no idea what their own houses look like. They don't have, right. they haven't had time to check on their property or, or their family or anything like that. They need to get their own affairs, affairs in order, but they also need to just take a break. I mean, right. you, people think dispatchers should think about how exhausted they are if they have to work a three-day, 12-hour shift weekend. You know, I, I'm worn out. Or, you know, yep. especially if it's busy. Well, when you have something like a hurricane come through mass, you know, just a big disaster. Um, I mean, it's, I can't imagine. I have not been in that situation. Thank the Lord. So Dan and Joby knew early on that they needed to get some help. Mm -hmm. And just like I just said a few minutes ago, like I, in the best interest of, of my folks, I probably would have done the same thing where I just would have activated the team and got the help in there and been like, Hey, here's some folks. They're going to come in. They're going to help. But one of the things that he found and the feedback that he got was they would have preferred actually being a part of that conversation, right? Because have you ever been in a situation where your supervisors come in and said, all right, that was a tough call. I'm, you know, go, go take a break, leave, go home, whatever. Right. And sometimes we just don't want to leave. Right. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm sure, you know, I, I would, I think my people would have a hard time with that, you know, letting go and letting somebody that they have no idea who they are come in. And, you know, it's just one of those professions that you feel like if you don't have your hands on it, something's not going to get done right. And it's the same thing in the director position. You know, the director themselves, they need a break. The deputy director, who, whatever supervisors, they need that assistance too. Help me out. I'm drowning. But like anything else, you, you can't fully let go because you're worried. Okay. What if this happens or this happens or this happens or this happens? And I think in this profession too, you know, so many of us, even if you're not a perfectionist, when you walk in the door, you become one. Right. Because you want to make sure that every I is dotted, every T is crossed because you know the ramifications and the consequences if even just one thing gets missed, right? Right. right. And I think we build upon the, the, the basic necessity, if you will. And what I mean by that is, is I know another thing that uh, Dan had spoke to that I definitely want to get your perspective on is you're getting ready to respond. First, tell me about that. And then I'm going to ask you a specific question regarding when you got there. So tell me about the response. How, how did you guys deploy? So Jonathan has a great way of getting in touch with me when he wants an activation. So he always sends me a Snapchat 
and it's a random that pic. is very official yes that is very, very official it's very official he <laughs> sends me a snapchat and it says are you ready question mark oh, i and love I it said, well where am i going this time so that that's it's funny that's how he notifies me now yep, which, yep. honestly in this day and age people are going to respond to their social media uh yep. notifications quicker than they will an email so true story, it's actually, true story. It's actually pretty funny so yeah he uh sent me the snapchat hey you ready and I, where where am i going he was like funny enough Baldwin county alabama um, that's awesome and i said oh wow that's that's pretty neat and he was like yeah i think it'd be great for baldwin county georgia to help baldwin county alabama and i yep. said yeah that's pretty good so he asked me if i had a team um you know a couple of dispatchers that could go with me and i did i had two everybody in my center is cert certified um, nice so i make sure that they all do turn and i mean it, i don't force it but they all want to be a part of it so in my activations cool. i try to take at least two different people with me if i if at all possible you know i have to make sure my center's staffed but if yep. at all possible i try to take two different ones with me each time to give everybody That's else awesome. the um you know the experience of being able to do that and i just i'm going to throw in there that i have the best sheriff known to man um awesome we fall directly under our sheriff sheriff bill massey and he fully supports this program his his anytime i call and say sheriff they've reached out to me about maybe deploying here for this hurricane he's hey if anybody if somebody needs your help i, I expect you to go and not ask it, it is that's as, great as, as that's good leadership right good it, leadership. it is he has been phenomenal about that so i i would not be able to do what I do without him. My other boss is Major LaRock. She she has been very supportive of it as well. So without that great backing, you know, I, we couldn't go do what we're doing. But yeah, so that, you know, we get the the okay from them, which on a, honestly, I've never not had the okay. And <laughs> you just pack up and Jonathan has met every time. Um, he and Michael Nix. And hey, we'll meet us here. So they actually met us in the uh, parking lot of the Macon Bibb County 911 Center. Um, yep. So we met them over there and got got debriefed and they talked to us about it for a few minutes and we kept up. Hey, we're here. You know, we check do check-ins along the way, let them know we're okay, where we're at. And that's really important too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So checking in with your folks on the way, I know I was talking to one of um, my colleagues, Natalie Duran, who does a lot with TURT in the state of Florida. And she was talking about the importance of that, right? So you have your folks that are traveling and could potentially be traveling through the storm, right? Right. right. So inquiring minds want to know, how do you guys set up? Like, where do you, where do you, you go? You, I'm going to assume you get there, you go to the center, but where are your arrangements? Like who is responsible for setting up the arrangements? Where are you guys going to sleep, et cetera? So all that is set up, in, all that is set up in the background by Jonathan and michael so they're they're coordinating with the receiving agency as you know are you gonna have accommodations on site if not where are they at where are they gonna you know we need to know where they're gonna bunk down um what are your food arrangements are they gonna be able to eat there are we gonna have to figure it out so they you know they they try to get as much of that information as they can and he'll tell me paired to feed y'all every day Good. you don't know what it is i mean it could be peanut butter and jelly but at that point you're hey hey if that's what you got that's what you got that's what we're gonna do yep um yeah so you always make sure you take you know a, a sleeping bag and a pillow because yeah. <laughs> i mean you, you really don't know 
So you don't. Mm -mm. So once you get there, you meet with usually the director or whatever supervisor's going heading everything up right then, and they give you a rundown of everything, and they'll show you where you're bunking if it's on site, and hey, this is the deal with the meal plans, and yeah, that's really that's really cool because I think those are the things that folks don't think about, right? Like you, you just think, but I can imagine going into you know Baldwin County where they were hit pretty significantly by Hurricane Sally, they had a lot of damage. A lot of the telecommunicators had damage to their own homes. Mm -hmm. When you go in there with this, with this mindset, I'm sure every one of you want to, those that are coming in, every single one of them want to know, like, I need to know everything. And that was one of the things that Dan had talked about was in the first wave of folks that came in. And I don't know, do do you recall if you were in the first wave of folks or the second? No, we were, we were the second wave that came in. The first, okay. the first, I think, were the closer agencies like Louisiana. Yep. And I, and I think you're right. I know he had reached out to his, his uh, previous agency and, and they sent some folks down. Mm-hmm. And I think by the time of the second wave of the, the second chart team that came in, they had realized they don't have to know everything. And I think in the first wave, it was more or less this really this need to pass off how they do everything and and that in and of itself seems to be overwhelming right right when in really so can you just talk to me about like the expectations you guys had about to what level of service versus what may actually be happening if that does that make sense right so i what i tell my team whatever team i'm leading is i, I tell them don't don't expect anything. They're going to give you a quick rundown on how their equipment works and hey, this is how the phone works, this is how you answer it, this is how you transfer it. Be That sounds that sounds like my training in 1996. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, they, they'll give you, you know, I I tell them, you know, they're going to give you a quick rundown, you know, for how their phone system works. If you happen to have to deal with a CAD, they'll give you a quick basic knowledge of the CAD and how that works and then I mean you're just gonna figure it out don't worry though they always have somebody from their center still in there so it's not right. just only a turt team in there and that's it it's never you know I've never experienced that it, they're gonna have at least a couple of their actual full-time employees there so it's, I mean it doesn't I mean we could be trained there for a week before we started it but still I mean, that's not enough right. to know exactly how they do things and, you know, their protocols and all that. So, you know, I try to tell them, don't expect anything. Don't expect to a bed. Don't expect to have a cot. You might be in the floor. I don't, you know. Yep. Well, and I, and I think that's to get your perspective. And I don't know, maybe now I need to have one of the dispatchers from Baldwin County on, right? Because to get that perspective, mm-hmm. so the trilogy just, you know, might, might have just added another one because... <laughs> I know that's probably challenging because I know I could, I, if I thought back to the, to my centers, they take that job very seriously. They do it with, you know, vigor and pride and, and they know, they know the importance of having things done. But I also know that I was very adamant about explaining the emergency rule, right? Like when A, B and C happens, you do one, two and three, right. but every once in a while B is missing, D gets added and now you have to kind of wing it. Right, right. right. And, and I think Dan learned that and Joby learned that, you know, with feedback from their folks is it's like, you know, to what level do we need to train the folks that are coming in? Right. And, and that's a really important lesson. And I, and I think hearing both perspectives is, you know, you don't have to give it 
the level that it needs. Um, while you were there, what was your role? So, so we, 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 you know, we get there, me and two other, my dispatchers, Jackson Adams and, um, Ken Jackson, we get there and, you know, we bring our headsets and, you know, we're ready to be assigned to a console position, you know, whatever we're going to do. I was actually assigned to logistics and support for okay. that duration. So that was the second time, you know, when I went to Southwest Georgia for Hurricane Michael, I was put on um, logistics and support there as well. So um, I guess they kind of, they heard my prerequisites of how many deployments yeah. and what I've done coming in. So they kind of snatched me up and put me on, on that uh, with Brad Gass, who is um, with the Tennessee. Love Brad. Yes. With the Tennessee <laughs> Turk. So we worked well together. We got things knocked out. So that, that's a, that's a cool experience. You know, it's different on that side, on the admin side. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I did. And uh, I had one dispatcher that was assigned to the morning shift. They actually did eight hours um, on this rotation instead of 12. So yeah, okay. I had one assigned to the days and one was an evening shift. Okay. And how many days were you guys there? We were there for, was it seven? Wow. Six. I don't remember. So, uh, you know, for, for folks that are thinking about getting into TURT, it, it's a commitment, right? So you're training and you just have to know that your lifestyle has to be able to accommodate you picking up. And I mean, if you're running a 911 center or you're a dispatcher, chances are your, your lifestyle accommodates being gone for, for long periods of time and, and being kind of stressed out. Uh, one of the things, so you just said that you brought in your headsets. So did you know in advance that your headsets were going to work with their equipment? Yes. Jonathan finds out that information and, you know, they, hey, they, if y'all have headsets that um, plug into these uh, Plantronics adapters, which usually most of the Plantronics headsets are universal. Right. Um, Man, that guy knows his stuff really, right. like, seriously. <laughs> I don't know. Well, what, I wouldn't even. I would have I never have thought of that. I don't know what the state of Georgia would do without Jonathan Jones. I really don't. So he is amazing, and, and Michael Nix, same way. Yeah. But yeah, they they both they both contribute so much. Absolutely, and they're just doing so much, and and even these just little pieces. That's why we're doing this, right? So hopefully, folks will say, "Hey, this sounds like something I'd love to." Right, and they say then, and Jonathan and them will send you a, a a basic checklist. Hey, make sure nice. make sure you've got you know a few toiletries and towels and sleeping bag and this and that and this and that. Good. I mean, you're, you're cool. not you're not you're not going to a hotel. You're not. Yep. You're not. You don't need a giant suitcase. I tell mine when I when they get ready to go with me. They say, well, "What do I know? How do I know what to take?" I said, "Think about you going on a camping trip and sleeping in a tent." Yep. Take that. <laughs> they were yep. like, oh, "Okay." I mean, not to say that we've slept in tents on right, but you never have. But it, the, the the point is, you, what basic necessities do you need in a minimal aspect? Yeah, that's how I look at it. And then you talked about like getting training on the CAD. I know some of the folks that came in on that earlier, the first wave of telecommunicators, they actually had the same CAD. So that's great. And of course, I have to talk about the rapid SOS portal. Right. Because I know it was funny. I, I knew I probably knew. I don't even know how many people that went on that deployment and I was getting text messages and you know, people were sharing with me like, hey, they have jurisdiction view on the portal. And so 
Number one, if you don't know what rapid S- the Rapid SOS portal is and you're in 911, you need to reach out to us because I, I know that this free web browser has been responsible for saving lots of lives and reducing the stress of telecommunicators across the country. Would you agree? Yes. Absolutely. When I was talking to Dan, you know, outside of the podcast that we did, he had deployed. So, so the Rapid SOS portal, when folks sign up for it, initially it has this thing called query view where the 911 call comes in, you have to query the number. Right. And I know that folks don't love having an extra step anytime there's, there's chaos going on. Right. But I know you guys use the portal, good, bad, or indifferent. Initially, how did your folks feel about typing in the phone number to get the information that they they ultimately saw they were able to get? They did not mind it at all. Good. They they really didn't because of the what the information they were getting back and the accuracy of it was phenomenal. So they didn't mind the query view whatsoever, and jurisdictional view just made it even better. <laughs> so I I know sitting in the chair that there were a lot of times that I did a lot of steps to find something on somebody that could have very easily been there by just putting that phone number in. Right. And then our folks just they saw the the speed of how fast that location would get from the device into our emergency response platform. And then their brilliant minds came up with jurisdiction view where they don't have to type in the phone number. Right. And there are times that they will still have to type in the mm. phone number. Yeah. So you guys walk in there and you see this equipment, this very valuable tool sitting there. And Dan had actually rolled it out to a lot of his secondary agencies. So they had access to, which was cool. How big of a help was that you guys coming in, not knowing, you know, where anything is, a lot of damage. Did your folks talk about that? They did. did. Were, like, they were did. They happy? They, they were. So that they, you know, we, we have it in our center. So they were already familiar with it. So when you walk in there and you see something you're familiar with, you're like, yes. But yeah. then they had it at each position, you know, they had rapid SOS and it was on its own big old curved monitor. Nice. And, uh, don't you know, they were like, look at this. They, <laughs> it don't have to share a screen with this and that. It's got its own thing up there and it's right there and we can see it and we want our rapid SOS like this. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> okay. Uh, but but that, you know, awesome. they, they were like, it helped us tremendously because, you know, you don't know the geography and. I mean, it, it helps. Well, yeah, if they're trying to give you landmarks and you're just like, you know, in your own jurisdiction, if they give landmarks, you're like, okay, I can pick up on that. But if you don't know where the landmarks are. Right. And you don't even know if they're legitimate landmarks. Right. 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 So, I mean, so, it, it helped them tremendously. They, they were very excited to see that resource right there at and, and we're very excited to, like, whenever I see it, it was funny. I, a friend of mine was doing a, a, a Snapchat story or something. We talk about social media. And anytime somebody posts a picture of their comm center or something in their comm center, like, I'm looking, going, all right, I know you have the portal. Where is uh-huh. it? And boom, there it is. Big as life. Yes. Uh, my old center had posted um, a picture of their new center, beautiful new center, 
they had posted it on their social media page. And I'm like, all right, I know they have portal. Where is it? And I'm looking on the screens on the computer and I see it on one of them. But then I look past the computers onto this ginormous wall of TV screens. Uh, they have to have 40 TV screens and like eight of the TV screens on the right hand side are our jurisdiction view. Oh, wow. Look up and go, oh, oh, might be time to take a break because how many times are you seeing the pin drop before the call is even coming into the 911 center? Yes, a good bit. Yeah. So that, that's really cool too. So yeah. So awesome. Love that you guys had the opportunity to do that. And, you know, we talk about telecommunicators being first responders. Right. And when you look at the definition of first responder, like if, if you think of it, first responder, the, the first emergency person on the scene of the emergency to me, that's the first responder. Right. So to us who, who do the job, did the job, we know that the majority of the emergency calls that come in or the emergency requests for service, the telecommunicator is by far the first person right. on the scene of that emergency. They're the eyes, the ears. Um, and how do you feel like what, what does TURT bring to that definition? Hmm. That's a good question. Because I think, you know, when, when I see resistance, all right, or I see like folks that, I mean, I don't see it a lot, but I I'll do, I will see it once in a while. I had a firefighter friend unfriend me on Facebook because I made this statement that the dispatcher was the first first responder. And and he came back and he's like, you're not first responders, you don't respond, blah, blah, blah. And, and I was just like, bite your tongue, bite your tongue, because I don't like to create drama on Facebook. But I was like, yeah. And I was just trying to explain it because clearly his mindset was, and this is a firefighter and this this was a friend of mine. And I was sad that you know he defriended me over something like that versus being supportive of it and understand why we're doing it. Right. Um, and, and I think I, <laughs> I'm all about positive motivational quotes and stuff. And I, and I think the one that comes to mind right now is a candle doesn't go out by lighting another candle. Right. Very true. So nothing changes in your flame. And this, that's what I mean by this, right. Is that if, if, if I say we, cause I, I, I will be a, telecommunicator at heart for the rest of my life. Um, if we are classified as first responders, it does not take away from police, fire, or EMS being first responders. Absolutely not. It is a different type of first responder, I think is what they, they kind of got to look at it like that. I know, you know, some have the, I mean, and that, and it's been that way. I mean, you know, it's 911 has always been in the, the background of that and they just, right. They've never been really identified as that. So, you know, to our, to the fire police EMS, you know, that go on the scene, that's an on-scene first responder. And that's just, yep. that's the old school mindset of it. Um, and I understand that. And, you know, they might say, well, they're not dodging flames or bullets right. or, you know, blood squirting out, whatever. Um, but it's a different type a first responder and those first responders have to look at that. They, they wouldn't be able to effectively first respond on scene without the 911 first responder. 
answering that call and getting that information and sending them where they have to go. It's just a different type of first responder. And I, I think that that's how they need to look at it more than anything. We're not trying to take it over and look at us, look right. at and us. Be, you know? and, right, right. And, and that's it, right? Because normally the telecommunicator, they, they don't want to be up in the front row, but to, to just be acknowledged, like even just to have that classification, that's a big deal. It, it's not like they're going to, you know, be beating the drum and things like that. So just to go back to a couple of things you said, like number one, yep, they're not dodging flames. They're, they're not physically there, but I will always come back to the statement that my dear friend Carol in Virginia said in one of my classes, she said the telecommunicators ears sees things that the brain will never forget and and like to me that is one of the most profound statement the telecommunicators ears sees things that the brain will never forget so when they say you're not on scene no you totally are on scene and 99% of the time that telecommunicator is visualizing like if i told you right now don't think about um don't think about a christmas tree or don't think about a yellow school bus. Yeah. You're, yeah. What's you're, the first you're thing gonna you're going to do? It, yeah. You're picturing it and you're, you're picturing your Christmas tree or your school bus when you were a kid, mm -hmm. like, you know, the duct tape on the back of the seats right. that the kids would rip off, like, you know, things like that. To have that understanding that they are very much a part of it. That, that's one thing. The other thing is he said, they're not the first on scene, right? They're, they're not the first on scene responders. And if ironically, the title of my podcast and in, in this kind of webcast presence is on scene first. And there's two reasons why I did that is because I want this to hit all public safety. And, and in my mind, those telecommunicators, they are on scene first. Yeah. They, they, you know, they are on scene first. And then for the field responders, they too are on scene first, right? right. They're the on, they're the on scene first field response. I feel like that's how everybody needs to look at it, including, you know, government that needs to reclassify dispatcher. Right. Right. So you're going to call them at your worst time when you need help and they're trying to take this information and filter it and figure things out and what's going on, who's got to go. And then they send the first responders. Well, the first responders, yes, they have the task of being actually on scene with these people and dealing with it. And I can't imagine, you know, I, I, right. I don't want to have to do that. And I probably couldn't in mad respect for each one of them that are able to do that. But they also, have the benefit of somewhat knowing what they're going into. Yep. They know where they're going. They know what they're going into to a degree. Now I'm not saying they know everything and things do change, but they do. <laughs> well, have I was going to say there, there are times right. that we're sending them into one thing. Right. We're being old and that is totally different. And you right, can only right. give them what you get, but yep. they have some, uh, somewhat of a basis when they have to look at it as the dispatcher sitting there and they might've taken a call about a shoplift and then, the next thing, boom, you know, they might be taking a murder or a three yep. car fatality Hostage situation or, yeah. or whatever. So, yeah. So they're constantly thrown unknowns because each phone, each time they answer that phone, it's an unknown. And yep. they're trying to figure out all of the information to the, to give to the on scene first responders that are going to the scene to keep them safe and prepare yep. them for as best they can is what's coming. So I, I think, I think we just have to change our way of thinking about it. I agree. 
I agree 100%. And then my question for you as, as we wrap up, I know Dan and Joby are, are definitely um, on top of their folks, making sure that their mental health is good and, and that they're providing the resources need. When it's not your emergency that you're responding to, and when I say it's not your emergency, right? It's, it, it's your emergency when you get there. Is it different you going in to another center and then coming out? I know that's a weird question, but I, I know what I want to say in my head. Maybe maybe you understand. But Right. So the, I'll just respond how I'm taking it, I guess. First, okay, good, good. First, I would like to, I mean, I give mad props to Joby and Dan. They did phenomenal. Um, awesome. They were on it. They were welcoming. They were willing to. Hey, it might work a little better if you do it like this. Great. I mean, they were willing to take whatever they could to help their situation and their center. So they were, I mean, it was like family. So I very much enjoyed being a part of that. Um, as far as the mental health part of it, of going into something that's not your emergency, from the TURT aspect, I'm going to be honest with you. I know a lot of people are probably like, oh my God, it's probably so stressful and mental health. And it, and it is but it's different. So honestly, it gave me and my dispatchers a mental health reset. What I mean by that is we carry so much stress daily um, with our normal jobs and our routines. And, um, you know, what you get into a complacency mode, which I've always told my, my dispatchers, complacency is the kiss of death. You get too complacent. It's going to get you. And my saying, I had, I had sayings in my center all the time too. And and one of them was complacency kills people. Right. And it does. And I'm a firm believer of that. So I think being able to be a part of this team, getting pulled out of your element, out of your comfort zone and thrown back into it to help somebody else in this, in this, in the same profession, um, but in a different way actually helps rejuvenate your mental health almost because you come out of it is it stressful while you're there yeah because it's a lot of work and yep it's a lot of consecutive days working where you're used to having a day or two off in the middle you don't you're working six seven eight days straight however long you're there um but the rewarding aspect from it um knowing that you're like i i feel like i felt that yeah And, and that's why i very specifically asked that question because I know what I felt like when I covered, you know, for the day for, for a funeral. Right. And, and it was just, it was different. It is different. My heart hurt for them as a family, as a public safety family. But for me, I just remember it feeling different. And I wanted to see if you you felt that same thing. Absolutely. And I, and I always tell people, you know, if I talk at conferences about turd or if I talk to my own people about it, um, when we're going, I'm like, you know, it's, it's going to be a different experience, but it's going to get you out of your comfort zone and it's going to remind you why you do what you do. Awesome. And awesome. they, they love it. And it really is. They say it, it is just a great, you know, it just, it, it puts wind back in their sails and 
it, love that. And I think, I think it's going to force them to go back and, and do things differently in their center too. Right. right? Like you right. said, Oh, I see, I see this, you know, the rapid SOS portal is on this big screen. Hey mom, can we have that? Right. Or exactly. Hey, we saw that they did this, this way. Like this was totally helpful or, you know, Oh, we've been doing it this way for so long. Look, there's another way that you can do things. And, that, and that's so, exactly right. Awesome. And I, I even take things away from, from those experiences. So, I mean, I I think it's great. I think anybody wants to feel that, that really wants to to help their fellow dispatchers and they want, you know, they they feel maybe stuck and how can I do something to feel, you know, get get the wind back in my sails. And, you know, I want that rewarding feeling that I used to get. I recommend this, this program a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I am a huge supporter of it. Uh, that's why I go on every deployment that I can because I, I'm so passionate about it. Like I, I, love, I love being able to help others in my profession the best way it. that I can. Awesome. Well, Mandy, we need to wrap up here. And I just want to say thank you so much for your time and your dedication to this profession. I know that you have had a huge hand in helping so many people. And a lot of times you don't even realize how many people you're helping, but I know that the words that you said on this podcast are going to help people going forward. But again, thank you so much. I appreciate you and all you do for this profession. Well, thank you. And we appreciate you as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Make sure you join us next time for another episode of entertaining, educational, and empowering interviews with public safety difference makers. Please like and follow my Facebook and LinkedIn pages on scene first with Tracy Eldridge so you too can keep up with my shenanigans. Thank you, heroes, from the bottom of my blessed heart. Stay safe, stay strong, and stay here. We need you. For more information on Rapid SOS and how you can get connected to the world's first emergency response data platform and better prepare and protect your family and communities, visit rapidsos.com and tell them Tracy sent you.